0: America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is, we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're bonded. Or we're wearing leather, or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify. American Sex.
1: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoinberg and Sonny Megatron.
0: I'm clapping. This is my song of the podcast. Yeah, songs with clapping and podcast sex songs. <laughs> What are, this is like do you remember Ken being a child of the eighties? Don't you stop <laughs> No, do you remember being a child of the eighties? I don't know if this is maybe a girl thing. If you did this with your guy friends, we would get uh, cassette Does this tape. Does it have to do with watermelons? No, no, no. <laughs> but I did do this with Debbie. You get a cassette tape and you just record silly things and like make your own radio shows on cassette
1: tape. Yeah, we did do that. Really? We made our own Yeah, we made our own radio shows. We used um a lot of the, the bands that were uh, big in, like, the punk rock scene at the day, and we would do, like, our own private thing, and then we would throw in some conspiracy theory stuff. And oh, see, we did, like, of it. we
0: did, like, Saturday Night Live skit with weird characters. Oh, no, we, and...
1: we were I mean, we were funny, but it was accidental.
0: And when, then we were always perverted. It always turned into something perverted. Every time. That's awesome. Yes, I know. It's awesome. So, Ken, it's been a whole. Yes, honey. It's been... A whole entire week. What have you been up to and what do you have planned?
1: Well, um, I'm not going to talk about what I've been up to because this is our 17th take. We're doing better than last week. We're doing better than last week. Much better than last week. But what I am going to be doing is going to San Diego Comic-Con coming up. Um, and I'm going to be there next week. So it'll be over with by the time this airs.
0: Right, it'll be in the past. It'll be yeah. like in your DeLorean time machine three weeks we ago by the time backwards. this airs. And yeah. I'm
1: I'm going there to assist with a panel uh, about the last movie I did, Diminuendo, uh, which was written by the amazing Sarah Goldberger and Bryn Pryor, and it was starring Chloe Dykstra and the late great Richard Hatch, who just passed away not too long ago. He was an amazing actor, uh, somebody that I'm proud that I could call friend. Uh, and really got to know him towards uh, the end. And just, just so people
0: out there know, you're not talking about the Richard Hatch from Survivor. Which Richard Correct. Hatch are you talking about? How do we know him?
1: Uh, he was in the original Battlestar Galactica, and he played Tom Zarek in the second Battlestar Galactica. He had written games. He had done other books and movies. Um, he was just an amazing uh, actor who trained a lot of other actors, and that was like one of his great gifts, is training other people to be as good as he was. And... Um, we worked with him, uh, and he, like, loved this movie, saw it, and it was actually written for him. Uh, also in the movie, there's Gigi Edgley, who will be signing autographs at Comic-Con, and Walter Koenig, who played uh, Chekhov in the original Star Trek, and I'm probably going to be there uh, assisting Walter most of the time. He's an amazing guy and really fun to hang out with.
0: Cool. And I'll be home with the children.
1: <laughs> yes, you'll be home with the children.
0: Editing podcasts.
1: Ooh! And I I'll live, be hanging out with Chekhov.
0: I live such a glamorous life. Well, give Chekhov my love. I will. So this is episode two,
1: Ken. This is episode two.
0: Two whole episodes, and I I like this the way our podcast is unfolding because the first episode people got to know us a bit. We're kind of laying a foundation. You know, talking about sex positive stuff and maybe maybe some of the people listening haven't heard about some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. So and then I'm thinking what maybe five or six podcasts and we'll really like unleash the freaky stuff like cake farts and abductions. And what do you think?
1: You know what? I think that freaky stuff is going to be subjective because we are actually going to get into some stuff today That is at least not uh, techniques that aren't as well known. And it's sexual techniques for people with prostates.
0: Ooh, ooh. We're also going to have a, a little. We're going to talk about vaginas for a oh, minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a minute. That's true. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're talking about all the genitals, which is kind of awesome. But I do want to revisit some of what we talked about last week because last okay, week, go for it. this was sort of a spont- The
1: love language debacle. Yes,
0: the love language. It wasn't a debacle. It was a good conversation, but it was a very spontaneous conversation. It was not really one that we had planned to talk about. No. So and I-, I know
1: you haven't had time to read the book yet. So right. you, d- you did some internet research. Though. I did. I did.
0: I spent Spent the last week researching the love languages a little bit more um and and thinking about some of the drawbacks like you just flat out said these love languages are bullshit that was well, your love language to, right to
1: be specific what like what what i and i want to say exactly what i meant by that is that you could really apply those words to anything that is um a version of emotional literacy Right. So you're just basically talking about understanding what makes you tick, what makes your partner tick, and making sure that those two things coincide with each other at some point during the relationship. Because if you don't, you have nothing in common, you're going to end up not together anymore.
0: And before we before we go any further, for anyone who didn't listen to episode one or it was so long ago you don't remember, the Five Love Languages is a book, a hit best selling book. It was written. And it's
1: dairies, meats, grains, what veggies.
0: What are you talking?
1: The five love languages. Are you doing like the food groups? Yes. No. (laughs) No. I can't believe you just caught on to that. Oh, God. Can I think that was
0: funnier in your head than in mine? It
1: was way funnier in my head.
0: Okay. So The Five Love Languages is a book that was originally written in 1992 by a... Wait, let me try this
1: again. Was it Doc Dopey Sneezy?
0: Oh, come on. (laughs)
1: What are, what, are, what are the five love languages?
0: I, I'm going to tell you in a minute. First, I'm saying what it is, Ken. You know what? <sighs> Waiting the, is so the, hard. the six love languages bickering, Ken. So that's the-
1: our love language.
0: Okay, shut the fuck up. The <laughs> the five love languages.
1: Shut is, the fuck up, my love. My love
0: is uh, a book that was written in 1992 by she an Evan. Means- shut up, an evangelical <laughs> Christian pastor, Dr. Gary Chapman. And so, since 1992, it has sold more than 10 million copies. It's on. Um, it was. As of last year, I saw a statistic. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for 167 consecutive weeks, and in that time was still counting. When I look at the reviews of the book on Amazon, everyone's given it five stars Are falling all over themselves. And basically the premise of the book is that we feel loved and appreciated when love is expressed in whatever our particular love language is. So those five love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, Quality time and physical touch. So, you said eh, bullshit, right? And I think we yep. both we both agree. You know that's going
1: to be an unpopular opinion because no, obviously this no, book no, no, resonates no, 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 no. with a lot of people. If it's been on the I, best, I, you know,
0: I have my reasons why I think it resonates. We'll get there. We're going to unpack this. So I agree with you. But you, you. said that this is
1: under self help books, not just under like nonfiction, right?
0: Right, under self one sixty seven weeks under self help books on the New York Times bestseller list. But okay, so. I agreed with you that some of the fine details are probably bullshit. Maybe you can replace your love languages with other things. And again, full disclosure, I did not read the whole book and I did not get into the details. But the basic premise of the five love languages is, yeah, it's teaching you to be a little bit more emotionally literate, which is awesome. We're so... Emotionally illiterate and bad at relationships In this country that recognizing That your partner may interpret Actions differently than you Is really important and it's kind of like Elementary relationships 101 And it's something that Maybe to you and I is obvious Like that's like breathing air You know but for a lot of people That isn't obvious So for a lot of people just getting that first Elementary relationship 101 I think was Very helpful
1: i i have two things that i want to comment on really quick Mm -hmm. the first thing is how would this book apply to me if i were asexual
0: you're you're it's it's love and relationship it's not necessarily sex it doesn't involve genitals it's your love if your love language is dicks then yeah that's a problem but or sexual but i mean
1: you're do you you think that asexual people have maybe separate concerns that this would or would not cover no okay
0: no and i mean are are we you know words of affirmation acts of service receiving gifts quality time as long as they are i mean if they're asexual people that are not in relationships and not romantic and they are aromantic well then they may not have another partner so of course that doesn't apply but if they are asexual but they still have a partner or even friendships like this i think can apply to friendships just the fact of knowing that hey you and i see the world differently so if i do something i shouldn't assume it means xyz to you i should communicate i think that applies See, I think that's. I just wanted to open up the dialogue. I wanted to
1: open up the dialogue about that just because I think that's something that, you know, the aces oftentimes get left out of a lot of conversations. Oh, I agree. And I want to make sure that they know that we are out there and listening for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I had had two
1: things that I wanted to ask. That was one. Okay. Second thing is, I challenge you to let's, like, we talked earlier that, like, this was going to be the last time we talked about the goddamn love languages. But I have changed my mind, and I think that we should both read the book and then come back and let's do a review of what we actually read when we read the book completely from cover to cover as opposed to what we think the book is about.
0: I will agree. I agree with that. I, I, I will do it. I did, however, because I'm going to do my research before I read this book. I'll read it. Uh, did a little bit of research on the criticisms and I thought some of the criticisms that came up were really valid When it comes to the whole premise of the five love languages and the the premise of the book, one of them was there were some studies that were done. One study in particular that um, had couples sit down and fill out questionnaires, kind of like the dating game, like, you know, is your partner's favorite color or whatever it is. So. They found out that couples were right about each other only 35% of the time. So we're really bad at mind reading, basically. But when they asked the couples, what do you think your uh, accuracy rate would be? They said, oh, at least 80%. I know my partner. So one of the criticisms is this whole premise on the five love languages promotes mind reading as opposed to actually talking to your partner which i was like okay that's valid
1: this this makes me want to ask you three things who's my favorite author
0: uh dick dick k dick philip k dick
1: (laughs) yes dick (laughs) dick philip k dick
0: (laughs) okay Okay. i got that right
1: what is my favorite role-playing game
0: Oh, okay. It's a cross between Shadowrun and Dungeons and Dragons.
1: I would actually. Oh, Cthulhu! Thank you, Cthulhu. Okay, I'm sorry, it took Colin me a Cthulhu minute. Call it Cthulhu.
0: One. I knew that. I knew that. Okay, what's the third one?
1: What's my favorite food? My pussy. <laughs> actually, that's true. Okay,
0: see, I win. So you're two for three. There you go. Now your favorite food. You like peanut butter.
1: I do love peanut butter. I love anything peanut butter flavored. Yeah. But if I, I was going to sit down and have a dinner-type food, what would it be?
0: Mm, you like beef. Do you see that little kid on in the internet going, I like beef. I like beef. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you like the crab legs at uh, Half Shell, the crab leg dinner. I do. But I didn't get it, did I? Just tell me. Come on. We're at our 80%, aren't Chicken we? Chicken Marsala. Oh, I would never know. I, like, I, yeah. if someone had a gun to my head and said, "You have to give the right answer," my brains would be all over the place. I would have never guessed that. What color is my toothbrush? That. You're colorblind. I can tell you it's any color, and you believe you me, bitch. <laughs> You're
1: making fun of my disability, really? Ableist.
0: I don't know your color or your your toothbrush You're being is. To shut me. up. Your toothbrush is. She beats me. No, you always get the same color. It's like red,
1: right? I don't fucking know, I'm colorblind. Oh,
0: Jesus Christ. All that right. was a trick
1: question. So I love you. So anyways. So
0: let me get let me get to the other criticism that I think is is a very important one. So the other criticism was that this book is not promoting love, it's promoting Codependence, which I was like, huh, well, OK, let me hear a little bit more about this. So it's fine that people have preferences and how they like to be loved, but codependency comes in because the book tells us that a good relationship is one where your feelings of happiness and self-worth and appreciation and love and all that stuff has to come from another person. So essentially, it promotes the idea that it's our partner's job to meet our emotional needs. And if our emotional needs aren't being met, it's our partner's fault they're doing something wrong so that's not really a per- particularly healthy view in a relationship and then in that situation if we feel like oh our, we're not being properly loved because it's our partner's fault we start to feel resentful like they drop the ball you know if my love language is uh, or like your love language is gift giving and I could be like Ken I gave you that diamond bracelet and what the fuck and my love language is acts of service and I can be like I gave you that diamond bracelet but fuck could you help with the dishes everyone Once in a while and then I start feeling like I'm doing all the heavy lifting In this relationship and you're not and you know Resentment breeds all sorts of bad shit In a relationship so I thought that was really interesting That you know the concept That I think we we both Live by that if you are unhappy In your relationship You don't point outward towards Somebody else I mean it may be if there's abuse Going on but oftentimes, If you're unhappy maybe you should look at yourself Too it's not all On your partner to make you happy. Oh, I would agree with that one hundred percent of the time. Like it it
1: has, it takes two to tango when it comes to two-person relationships, and that really needs to be addressed in some fashion.
0: That that actually made me think about toxic monogamy and all sorts of other other different relationship. I think we should talk
1: about that when we get back from our break. Yes,
0: let's take a break. Ready?
1: All right, one, two, three. Bye, bye.
0: Castle Megastore Once you see their sex toys You'll want more I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually Has a theme song but I Really dig Castle Megastore So that's my gift to you Castle Your very own theme song And you listeners get a gift too If you go to CastleMegastore.com And use discount code SUNNY That's S-U-N-N-Y when you check out You will receive 20% Off your order that's amazing Castle Megastore mega store when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water there's the best orgasm ever and we're back monogamy so there is absolutely nothing wrong with monogamy i love monogamy however full disclosure Ken and I, even though we're married, do not practice monogamous. Wait, wait, monogamy. wait. Monogamy. You
1: love monogamy. I.
0: Lo- I no, I.
1: D- That's what you said.
0: Okay, I love monogamy for I like other mon- people. for other
1: people. Yes, right. thank you.
0: I I like the concept of monogamy for people that it's suitable for. A Correct. lot of people who are non-monogamous have this elitist attitude where you're not evolved if you're monogamous and you're you know like a basic bitch when it comes to relationships if you're monogamous I think that's bullshit I think different boats float different floats or whatever the fuck the expression is
1: I have no idea what expression different that strokes
0: is. are on different boats I don't know different strokes
1: for different folks yes
0: or whatever floats your boat while you're getting a stroke <laughs> But, you know, oh, some somebody. people some people are cut out for monogamy. Great. Some people are cut out for non-monogamy. Some people are
1: out for getting stroked while they're having a stroke.
0: Exactly. And that's cool. As long as you figure out which one you are, you explore your options, you figure out what's suitable for you, and you find a partner that has the same ideals for you, that's great. And I just kind of went off on a tangent because, um, yes, I like monogamy. Is that clear? <laughs> <laughs> But the problem is, even though I like monogamy and even though monogamy monogamists get a bad rap in the sex positive community, if you go to BDSM events, everyone expects you to have an open relationship. You go to some of these like academic sex conventions. I wouldn't say everyone. I
1: wouldn't say everyone.
0: But there is more of a pressure there. If someone starts to flirt with you, they want to play. If you're like. Hey, you know, not interested. I'm monogamous with my partner. It's kind of like, oh,
1: they're monogamous. I would almost say the the ratios are reversed. That there's as many at a BDSM convention. There's probably as many poly people as there would be uh, monogamous people. Like in, in a default in, in a, in kind a of default setting. vanilla situation. Okay, yeah, I, like, the, like the ratios are almost reversed.
0: Mm-hmm. I I agree with that. Um, But even though I support whatever floats whoever's boat, go do what you're going to do as long as you have explored your options and you're not feeling forced into something that doesn't suit you, monogamy, or at least some of the toxic notions that have been bred with monogamy, are kind of fucking us all up. I agree. You agree. So, some of those. That when you are in a relationship there is uh, a feeling of ownership there like you own your partner which also breeds jealousy in in monogamous relationships or in you know toxic monogamy whatever you want to call it jealousy is normalized and almost expected it's like i remember being in high school when i was very, well, well, very it monogamous. Nor- it,
1: it is a normal natural healthy emotion for everybody to have no matter how many partners that you have but i I think that the difference here is that jealousy in the in in the form that you're talking about is a little bit more severe than it would be it's not just a pang of an emotion but there's like more physical responses that go along with it that leads to arguing in
0: many right well well monogamous relationships one like when i was in high school and i was dating a boy and a boy would get je- do something irrationally jealous. Part of me was like, what a dick. But the other part of me was like, oh, my God, that means he really loves me. If he's freaking out and beating up another guy because he looked at me kind of thing, which that's really unhealthy. And secondly, jealousy, you know, the way we look at jealousy being in a non-monogamous relationship. Jealousy isn't something my partner is doing to me. I am jealous for a reason that I need to look inside myself for. Maybe I am feeling insecure with our relationship.
1: You know what we should talk about for just a second? And I know that you could probably make a whole episode of this, but I want to talk about what we that are in open relationships have that's called compersion. Can you explain compersion, Sonny?
0: Yes, compersion is an emotion that is the opposite of jealousy. And jealousy really isn't an emotion in and of itself. It's really anger or insecurity or, you know, being scared, that sort of thing kind of wrapped up. In a ball of emotions that we call the jealousy, compersion is the opposite of that. so when I know that you are let's say going out on a date or seeing somebody else or having sexy time or whatever it is, instead of me looking at you going, "Was well, that person got that i don't have that has, you know she's got my husband right now." Blah, 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 I feel happy. That's compersion. When I look at you and I'm like, look at him. He's having a great time and he's happy. And that makes me feel warm and fuzzy and happy. That feeling is compersion. So I can have compersion with you if you're with another person. I can even have compersion with you when you're doing something that maybe I don't like. Let's say you're playing a game. Oh, what's that game you play with the um, uh, the, the land? It's not risk, but it's... Uh, uh, the game. Yeah, I hate that game Settlers I, of Catan Maybe I don't like those games But when And I don't want to play them But when you're playing them Even though I'm like Ugh That looks so boring I see you having a good time And I'm mm-hmm. like But he's having a good time Or even when I don't like Those kind of games I might agree to play That game with you because I know it makes you happy, even though I want to stand my eyes out. Oh, yeah. Out. I
1: hate it when you're a gamer, Widow. I'd much rather play with you because you're fun to play games with.
0: Exactly. And I a lot of games we like together, but those types of games I'm not a fan of. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I'm not. But I do it, I do it because like I love you. Like the resource
1: you. counting games, that kind of thing. But yeah. you like fun games. Yeah, like, I don't like... Dards like cards against humanity. I don't
0: like I'm conquering land and I'm an army and I'm getting your territory. Like that's boring as fuck to me. But when I see you play it, whether I'm doing it with you or you're doing it with somebody else, I'm happy that you're happy. So it's kind of like gamer compersion.
1: That's uh, that's actually a really good way to put it.
0: Oh, yeah. It makes
1: me understand that oh. a little bit better. And I think that it makes other folks... Uh, take a look at what we have you know and conversely to that though in the way that we're not open I don't think either of us want like a boyfriend or girlfriend or somebody that's an emotional attachment like I think you and I have based our relationship where if we do have something sexual with another person it's non emotional for the most part
0: I I agree and I don't agree because and I don't even know if there are words for it because I don't consider myself a swinger which is like we Correct. go we go to a party we meet some people that maybe we don't know very well and we fuck that's not my thing at all so i like to get emotional with people so i like to have friends that i fuck like fucky friends people that i care about maybe i even love them but more in a friendship like i'm not in love with that. I think if we're saying the sense. same thing. Like, yeah,
1: this is not a person that you want to advance your emotional state to the point where they are living with us. Exactly. I don't want. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, I, I don't I'm want the house and you're the not kids. Come attached or not like the person. That's obvious that you're going to like them because they're if they're good enough to have sex with. I should hope that you enjoy their company.
0: Right, and I and I think it'd be
1: awful if that were true.
0: No, no, no. And I, but I think also part of it is because we play kinky, and I know we haven't really explained this to a lot of listeners that might be new to us, but it's, you know, we're kind of Fifty Shades of Grey. That's a very basic way to put it. But we play kinky with people that we may or may not have sex with. But what I like to, what I like in those types of relationships is you go into like an emotional deep dive with that person so maybe you've terrified the shit out of them or you're playing with their emotional fears and you're playing with their psychology to a point where you have to get psychologically deep with that person but that doesn't mean oh so now we know each other really well and we're gonna move in together and it doesn't mean that i I do
1: need to add something really important that doesn't mean that i don't have strong feelings for my uh, other partner lily uh, right, because Lily's amazing. We just don't live in the same town, but that you know what the what I just said has nothing to do with her. It's more that like you know you and I just aren't looking for somebody to be a third. Right. Like there
0: there's something called a polycule, you know, where um yeah. it's it's a poly almost a poly family and oftentimes those people will move in together and they will um raise their kids together and they will put I know a
1: few folks that do that.
0: Right. They will all of the partners are on I guess equal footing in the relationship where you and I we're each other's primary partner and we may have other partners that we are very emotionally attached to and we love but we don't love them in a way where like hey they're gonna move in and sleep in our bed with us and help us raise our
1: kids exactly yeah and I love you Lili. just wanted to say that
0: (laughs) so back to toxic monogamy Um, so another notion that we have that monogamous society has given us is that you need someone to complete you that you are not whole unless you have another person which that's not really a healthy thing. We're all whole people. Other people don't complete us. They complement us. Um, that love conquers all. That if you love each other enough or right, that it will conquer any, nah. if you con- it'll conquer any incompatibilities you might have. That if you are incompatible, it, and maybe the stupidest thing in your relationship, it might be like putting the, the toothpaste cap on or how you roll up the toothpaste thing is different and you have both have very strong feelings that are opposite, that you don't love each other enough or hard enough to overcome those obstacles, and that's bullshit. Um, that commitment equals exclusivity, that you... I, I went to a doctor once and they were taking my sexual history and they're like, are you in a committed relationship? Well, yes. So they assume that... Did you men- ask them if they were? No. <laughs> it's their job. Uh, but they assume that meant I was monogamous. And they're like, well, how long have you been together? X amount of years. Then why are you getting an STI test? Because I'm not monogamous. But you said you were in a committed relationship. I am very committed to that partner, but I have other... Par- like, they don't get that committed doesn't mean exclusive. Mm-hmm. We're committed to each other. We're husband and wife, but we can have other partners that serve other purposes monogamy breeds the notion that your insecurities are your partner's responsibility and this goes back to the jealousy thing when i'm jealous which isn't i mean it happens it's a normal
1: you've never displayed it to me before it's like, a not, no, it's no, not no i have more
0: in the beginning more in the beginning because i oh
1: I, in the very beginning yeah. i
0: realized what i needed because we were working out our relationship so uh, just a little history I had always wanted an open relationship. Pretty much all of my relationship fantasies and sexual fantasies had some element of, of being ethic, ethically non-monogamous, which means you're not cheating. You're doing it with all full knowledge of all of your partners and you're upfront and honest about everything. But I didn't think people actually did that. And it wasn't until I met Ken that I practiced non-monogamy openly for the first time. And you as well, right? pretty much kind of no it was
1: it was a controlled non-monogamy that i had with uh you had a lot of weird conditions but there was a lot of conditions that i wasn't agreeing to but you know what we're gonna pick this up when we get back from break
0: hey did you know that american sex has a patreon page patreon.com is a great way for you to show your support for this podcast it works kind of like, I don't know, funding for National Public Radio or how PBS works. If you like our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, you can help financially support it. And depending on how much you pledge, you might even get a nifty, cool reward. Oh, and everybody who pledges gets access to our private Patreon feed that's just for supporters. So you're thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out the details at Patreon backslash American Sex I know you're fancy and I know you've been eyeing some of those luxury sex toys haven't you you frisky little fox well I also know that you enjoy a good discount don't you dear you now can get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, at luxury sex toy retailer, lelo.com with discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you heard me right. 20% off anything your little heart, or, well, <clears throat> other parts, desire, at L-E-L-O.com, using discount code S-U-N-N-Y. Yes, dear, you can thank me later.
1: Welcome back to American Sex with Ken Melvoinberg and Sonny Megatron. So
0: I want to go back to you were in a, an ethically non-monogamous relationship, which means that you know, both partners are open and honest and agree, but you had conditions put on you that were unfair that you didn't agree to. So was that really ethic, an ethical relationship?
1: Um, no, I guess it was unethical non-monogamy right it was
0: uh, like my way or the highway this is the way we're I mean, doing it was it. The,
1: it was the source of the the reason that we separated eventually um that you know we were both people that wanted to have some form of alternative sexuality in that she want she was bisexual and wanted to be able to be with women but she didn't want me to be with women so she wanted me to be able to there to watch her she's like but you can have all the guys you want but i you know my issue with that was that i wasn't bisexual you know, I'm I'm hetero, and what I would like if we were going to both be non-monogamous is that I would want a female partner, and she had a lot of insecurities about that. Okay. And so um, there would be threesomes that would happen, but it wouldn't be alone time.
0: And then, and I'm sure when you, and this feeds right back into what we're so, talking about. So I don't know, is that
1: about, ethical or unethical? Like, I came to a compromise, but it was something I didn't want to do, and it was something I didn't want to be a part of. We well, couldn't agree
0: on the terms. And we so, couldn't agree on the terms, yeah.
1: and that's why it took so long for you and I you know, like I was real distant after I got done with this, so it was hard for me to commit to even saying I love you. And then I didn't stop, I don't think, after, right? Like the first, the first I
0: love you, and they were like, I love you, I love you, I love you. But going back to the notion that your insecurities are your partner's responsibility, so in that situation, um, the insecurity of your partner was she was jealous of you being with other women, yeah. So instead of Saying, but we've agreed to be open, so that's some shit i got to work on myself. She put it on you like, well, you just shouldn't want other women, then. Why don't you want some dick, basically? So she was making her insecurities your problem instead of turning inward and working on her own shit. Correct. Or turning inward and saying, you know what? This isn't for me. I think I need to be monogamous and, you know forget me getting some action on the side from women.
1: You know what, though? The the part of it for me was like, I get off on watching my partners get off and whatever that means for them. And so, you know, part of it was that I would, there was part of me that was very happy about what was going on, much like when you're with somebody, it makes me happy.
0: Oh. Yeah. I, I, going back, though, like you were saying when I was jealous in the beginning, I, mm-hmm. I was. And I think the thing about Non-monogamous, ethically non-monogamous relationships are there aren't really any set rules. I agree. So we agree to be honest with each other. We agree to have some sort of open relationship. And then at that point, and and of course everything's consensual and, and that sort of thing. But at that point... We have to craft our own rules. So anyone looking for, oh, I want to have an open relationship. Let's, you know, get a roadmap of how we should do this. There isn't really a roadmap because you have to make your own. So that was kind of the hard part. And since I had never done this before, I didn't know what would trigger my jealousy, and and it, it was we had a lot of like oh my God, I'm jealous. And then we had to talk about shit and figure it out. And he had to kind of be my therapist. And we had to process each other's feelings without like being like, it's your fault. You're an asshole, which is hard to do. A lot of people can't do that. And I realized that things that made me jealous, one, not knowing your other partner. So when we're not Facebook friends or we haven't met in real life or we haven't had a conversation, I make her into this like goddess that's so much better than me. And then when I meet her in real life, it's like, Oh, she's really fucking cool. And then she like, farts. good job, and then, and then, then I high five you, being because you're right? Fart. Exactly. Um, another thing that triggers my jealousy is when we, our relationship, isn't satisfying me. So if I feel like we haven't had enough date nights, or we haven't had enough sex, or you're not paying attention to me, or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you go out with someone else, that makes me like, wait a minute, like someone's getting something that I should be getting. So I realize it's not your fault. Well, I mean maybe a little, but not in that way. Um it's not the other person's fault. It's on me to open my mouth and be like, "Hey Ken, I feel like you've been a little distant lately. Why don't we have a date night? I I need to That's ex- a good idea. I need to express my needs when when I'm triggered by jealousy at for that reason. That's my cue. Process my feelings, open my mouth, express my needs to you because you're not a mind reader. And then everything's fine. So.
1: Unless you pay me $150 an hour. Then I'm a mind reader.
0: Are you a gigolo or a psychologist? Or a lawyer? A psychic. Okay. Did you
1: forget? (laughs) I didn't know what
0: you were trying to be. I had no idea. So. Not dissing monogamy again i there are a lot of people that are monogamous and i'm I support you, I think it 's awesome. I will have your back at sex conventions and kink clubs when people are kind of like giving you the cold shoulder. However, the culture of monogamy, our American culture, has bred a lot of these unhealthy ideas that we just talked about, so when it comes to non monogamy so we've we 've described ourselves as ethically non-monogamous or open I think are the two terms that we use for ourselves
1: or monopoly
0: sort of yeah like kind sort of monogamous when it comes to like life partner kind of stuff you're my only one life partner yeah but poly taken from polyamory um, when it comes to other things so that could be a descriptor some of the other open relationship types I still consider
1: it emotionally monogamous
0: yeah some of the other um, relationship types that there are so there's polyamory which means many loves which is you have different partners and the generic you you listening whoever you have many partners and they are actually romantic relationships you have some sort of emotional entanglement that could be to the point of hey we're all going to live together and raise kids or it could be more like us like we love our other partners, but we are never going to embroil our lives and bank accounts and beds with our other partners. So right. and then they're swinging, swinging. You're on the, the only
1: per- This is what our relationship is. You're the only person that I'm fucking that I'm going to pay a cable bill with.
0: Ooh. yeah. We're going to get
1: fucked by Comcast
0: together. It's a threesome. Ooh, mm. Yeah, baby. So there's a, <laughs> there's also swinging, which that might have been a swinging scenario because I don't really love Comcast. I have no emotional attachment to Comcast. Swinging is when you have other sexual partners for the, the fun, the sex of it. It's kind of more of a, a hedonistic thing. You hear about swing clubs where people will go to different sex clubs and usually you are with your partner. A lot of people who are into swinging tend to be in... Heterocentric Sort of relationships where there's a man And a woman and they're married And they go to the swing club and Maybe they partner swap with another Couple um sometimes The oftentimes In a lot of parts of the country the woman Is expected to be bisexual And at least in our area of the country we're in the midwest it's more unusual to find men in the swinging community that are bisexual although good thing that's changing because i don't like to shun anybody
1: well there are this is interesting so the way that that works in a lot of the the local communities is that they have one night out of the month or something along those lines that's particularly for bisexual men at the swing clubs uh what's not the same about it is that bisexual men are welcome to be bisexual at every single event in some swing clubs they are
0: so, yeah, there's there's many different kinds of open relationships. And, again, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you pick the label that fits you. For us, it's ethical non-monogamy. And for you, it What's might be something... What's the one something... you told me
1: about the other day, the comet? What is that?
0: Oh, the comet. Okay. This I really liked. It's a, a sort of new term. And it, Urban Dictionary describes it as, A comet is a person that passes through your life repeatedly who is intense and awesome and when gone you are still in contact with that person in some way but they are not a continuous partner.
1: Uh, you know what that's my friend Heather.
0: Okay, yeah, and I tend to have I tend to have partners Squirty like that. Heather. Yeah, I tend to have partners like that where it's like we'll see each other at an event and we'll have a, you know, good, dirty time. And then maybe we chit chat on Facebook here and there, but we don't really keep in contact. And it might be another year before we see each other and then we do it again. So I actually like partners like that. Comets, they burn heavy and hot and then kind of go away and then yeah. you know come back sort of cyclically. Yep. Which is kind of cool. So now I think here's what we're going to do. We are going to, is there anything else you want to add about our, about non-monogamy, about
1: our relationship? I just realized both of our comets are blondes.
0: Oh, yeah. We
1: have,
0: we both have blonde comets. That's funny. Um, Anything else? Anything else you want to add, Ken? before we take our break and we switch gears yeah I want to
1: add something I'm the luckiest motherfucker on the face of the earth and I love you very much
0: oh I'm the luckiest daddy fucker on the face of the earth what well I like to fuck mothers too I'm bisexual oh like I don't know I'm trying to
1: oh luckiest daddy fucker okay I was like whose daddy are you (laughs) I mean, that's cool and everything, (laughs) but you didn't mention this before. And
0: I never call you that. Like, that's not part. Like, some women, like, call their their male partner's daddy or even their female partner's daddy. I
1: I was actually confused by that.
0: But, yeah, I've never called you. That's not something I call. But I was trying to go with the joke, like, motherfucker, dad fucker. And it just fell flat on its face and made you think I had a partner you didn't know about. And suddenly that triggered jealousy because you didn't know who it was. No, it was confusion. (laughs) It wasn't jealousy. Okay let's take a break and then i want to switch gears and i want to talk about something specific to your genitals not your genitals personally i mean i i don't know (laughs) we'll just talk about it we're we're gonna talk about male
1: multiple kegels next you ready break in three no
0: we already we're breaking You don't have to say break in three, two, one every time. I want to. Oh, God. You're like the little kid who wants to press the button. Let me press the button.
1: Yeah. And make sure to leave all this in. Break three, two, one. Bickering is our love language.
0: Friends of mine are friends of Love Honey, too. All Sunny Megatron fans get 10% off everything at Love Honey's U.S. site by using the link bit.ly backslash lovehoney10 that's b-i-t backslash lovehoney10 want to know which sex toys accessories and bdsm gear ken and i recommend well hop on over to sunnymegatron.com to read our reviews every time you click a product link or use a coupon code on our website we get a bonus discount codes and special links you hear on this podcast benefit us too so look at that you can support our show and get discounts on sexy gear all at the same time now that is a win-win and we're back I get. and we're back oh god you are like the little kid who has to press all the buttons let me press the button. You didn't let me say we're back. You didn't let me say it in a DJ voice.
1: There's a spider on you.
0: What? Shut the fuck up. God <laughs> damn it. I hate you. Oh, are you kidding? You uh, are. No, right?
1: I'm not kidding. What? You, it, what? what? You Where? It off. Where? It, you, you Where? It Where? was off. it? You knocked Where? it off. It was Where? on your back. You it's serious? on the floor. Where and it, went, it? I don't know. It went behind the stars. <laughs> It's right, I, the just, stars. I just
0: totally freaked out. Hold on. Let me put my headphones back. Are you kidding?
1: I'm you, not kidding.
0: Why did you tell me? Why did you tell me? Why didn't you just come up and hit me? If
1: a spider. Why didn't I come up and hit you?
0: <laughs> why didn't what you, are you, what, oh, are you.
1: Are you having a stroke? No.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, why didn't you just get it off? Why didn't you just
1: casually get up? I have headphones on and I'm stuck behind a chair. It's just a spider. It didn't do anything. Many, you didn't even feel
0: it. Having a partner that knocks spiders off of me, no matter what the obstacles, is my love language. (laughs) Ken, the next thing is about penises
1: and about penile multiple orgasms.
0: Ooh, so wait a minute. I have a vagina. I can have multiple orgasms because I don't have a refractory period, which is that period between like when a penis comes and then it gets hard again. Sometimes for some men it's hours or even the next day. I don't have that because I got a pussy. So how can you make your dick like my pussy, Ken? God, I sound like my mother. I'm channeling my mother. Pussy, pussy, pussy. Dick.
1: Well, I I can't ever really make it like yours unless I become a trans person. But outside of that, what we're talking about is having multiple orgasms for people that normally aren't capable of doing that so there's a muscle that we have that's called the pc muscle or the pubococcygeal muscle and in people with cox this is the muscle, if you have an erection and you're making your boner do the boner dance that's the muscle that makes it bounce up and down so when you have like and and I think all people with penises have done this at some point in their lives where they're standing in the shower, nobody's around there an erection happens, and you make it dance and bounce up and down. now the muscle that we use to make this happen is our p c muscle which is coincidentally the same muscle that starts and stops streams of urine and there's uh and the reason that all of this is important is that p c muscle is something that when you're about to have an orgasm you can squeeze this muscle and you can delay and have a mini orgasm instead where it's like a, like twice the amount of normal pre-cum that you would have and a little wave of orgasm but you can still have a great big huge splashy orgasm after that or even two times after that depending on how strong that pc muscle is so there's a couple ways to exercise this uh first way uh, you're going to be doing cock ups. Now, the way that we do this is we take your penis, get it erect, take a wet washcloth, put it on the end of the penis, and lift it up and down. So you're literally doing you're lifting weights with your cock.
0: I want to make like an '80s exercise video with a penis with a little terry cloth headband. Oh, t- I was just gonna and say. like yeah. and then be like and a Richard Simmons and a Richard, three Simmons, more. And a Richard and Simmons afro two more and switch. I don't know.
1: And so what you do at that point then is you're doing your cock-ups 10 times, do it in three sets. Uh, next, you're going to start and stop your stream of urine. When you go to the urinal or the bathroom at your house, you're going to go there and you're going to stop it 10 times. And then you're going to stop it 10 more times and then you're going to stop it 10 more times. So, Or, or you can do it over three different P's uh, a, around the day. But either way, you have to like start and stop that stream of pee. And the last one is that uh, as you're sitting just in your chair or wherever you are, you can just tighten your butt cheeks as hard as you can. And what you're doing when you're tightening that and you're holding it, holding it, holding it, that muscle that starts to feel the ache from holding in your tightened butt cheeks is the PC muscle. And you're going to hold it as long as you can and do it 10 times in a row and then do that in three sets. So everything is in three sets and 10 reps. So again, it is the cock-ups with the wet washcloth. It is starting and stopping your stream of urine. And then the last one is tightening the butt cheeks and holding it.
0: So, Ken, this is good for, as you said, multiple orgasms. It is also um, good it for is... premature ejaculation. Right, 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 one right, of right, the right, other right.
1: big side effects is that if you are a premature ejaculator, use this technique. And you can even couple it if you're having extreme problems. Take your testicles, pull them away from your body, and that heat difference will make it so that it's at least more difficult to have an orgasm. Hmm, very um, good. And then uh, what, were, what was the other thing you were going to add in?
0: Uh, it will also make the orgasms that you do have, like... Oh, when, more strong. Right, oh, stronger, wow, yeah. uh, able to control, as you said, with the, the um, premature it, and ejaculation. And if you're
1: using the technique called edging, it's like edging, only it's more intense. So it's along that spectrum of orgasms.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it can, very quickly. Yes. Explain, unless you want me to, what edging is, just for those listeners who don't know.
1: Sure. Uh, edging, kind of in a nutshell... Is uh, taking your um, arousal and extending it uh, much longer than you normally would, either through instruction from your partner or just doing whatever you can to make sure that orgasm doesn't happen. And then when you finally get to that point where you're either allowed to come, if it's a BDSM thing, or you just feel like waiting as long as you can and this is the the moment you just can't hold back anymore uh, that orgasm really increases more intensely because it's had more time to build up desire prostatic fluid um, all the different uh, neurotransmitters that are going on in hormones that are building up and up and up and up after, as you extend this. And so, the feeling that you're going to be getting as a result of this, the endorphin rush, is going to be much better.
0: And the same goes for people with uh, vaginas.
1: With vaginas, yeah. You know, edging,
0: edging is basically like getting yourself to the edge of orgasm and then pulling, pulling back, back a little, and then getting yourself to the edge of orgasm and pulling back. So, when you do finally have that orgasm, it's like bam. And as far as Kegels go, we can do Kegels too. Those of you who are listening in the last episode, yes, I am not even kidding you. I peed in my pants. It happens. It happens. So I've had two kids. I've had two vaginal births. Sometimes when I least expect it, I'm like, Ah-choo! and then I have to run to the bathroom and I have the sneeze pee's. So the, the Kegel exercises for, for me, for people with vaginas, are just as good, A, for incontinence reasons, B, for the same reasons that Ken talked about, making your orgasms more likely to happen. For those of us who have a problem uh, reaching climax, it's going to make them stronger, you know, a little bit more predictable, that sort of thing. And we have something really cool we can use. We can do the squeeze, you know, the, the squeezing. And for us, it's a little different because it's like you can squeeze your butthole and you can squeeze your vagina and you have to make sure like you're actually like those of you who have vaginas start squeezing with me. So like they like the front. OK, squeeze your butt. Just so you know how it feels. Squeeze your butt. You too can squeeze your butt. I'm squeezing it. Squeeze two, your butt. So three, it's your butthole, your butthole, your butthole, your butthole. You feel what that feels six, like. Now, those of you with seven, vaginas, Eight. now squeeze just nine. the front, just the front without doing the butt can't squeeze just it <laughs> because you don't have a vagina can. Okay. Also though, I can move my ears and you can't. It's just a hereditary thing, so maybe like you know, but I'm squeezing just the front and not the an butt. Alien. I'm an alien. Yeah, I can move my ears and just my clitoris. Um so that's Kegels or we can use those Kegel balls that are sometimes one, sometimes two balls that are uh together and you you Have you ever
1: thought that that sounds like something you'd get at IKEA as a decoration? Kegel balls? Yes, it just sounds like the name of a Swedish toy that you would get for, like, it's massage. Or, and like, it, it's they have decoration. really good meatballs it's at Ikea. They
0: have really good meatballs there. Maybe they could be special balls. meatballs. I wonder what it would be like if I put meatballs in my vagina and squeeze them.
1: I think that'd be a UTI waiting to happen. It
0: totally would, <laughs> but I bet you someone would pay big bucks for that on video, Ken.
1: They probably would. Yeah, they probably would.
0: So, yeah, if you don't want to pee in your pants... When you're laughing, I don't know what, what made us pee in our pants. Or me, I peed. Do you ever laugh and pee in your pants Gun?
1: I've never done that, Nope.
0: You have no idea what that's like? No. I've noticed men, though, tend to have oops poops where we have sneeze pees. Men have oops poops. Yeah,
1: we have more oops poops.
0: Okay. I, I don't think I've ever had an oops poops. You might not have. You have?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Is there any exercises that can, like... Can that help for oops poops? Or not really? No. No. Nothing can. No. It's just... Do oops poops happen more as you get older? Or drunker. Or drunker. <laughs> or eat more... I don't know. Whatever.
1: Yeah. You know, just there's a variety of, of reasons that, you know, you can be relaxed enough to make that happen. Anything from seizures to um, extreme amounts of alcohol to age to butt problems.
0: To that sugar free ice cream.
1: That's what did it to me. Oh my god. It was the sugar free ice cream. And Holy it made me have the shit moly. something fierce and I couldn't make it all
0: the way. Like the do you remember on Amazon they had the sugar that was free a shitty day. Ah, they had the sugar free gummy bears on Amazon and uh, people were talking about like the lava mountain poops that they were having because oh yeah. The, yeah, go look up sugar free gummy bears on Amazon if you have not. It's it's a real treat.
1: Apparently, uh, one of the things that Amazon just did, and I haven't uh, seen this myself yet, but they have uh, some celebrity readers doing vocals of the funniest reviews on Amazon. Really? Yeah, and I'm wondering if like that, that like that cool three uh, three-toed sloth shirt that you're the th- the three sloths howling at the moon shirt that you got me. Oh yeah, that. those those reviews were hilarious.
0: Those are really good. Those are really good. I would like to hear who was it that did Fifty Shades of Grey, Gilbert Gottfried, and then her vagina like i would like to hear gilbert Gottfried reading uh i just looked at reviews for a 55 gallon drum of lube that was on sale half price for for prime day yesterday well and now you know like it's a month from now but when we're recording it was yesterday and It's normally like $3,000 for this 55-gallon drum of lube, which we saw on our show, first episode of Sex with Sunny Megatron. We were at kink.com, and they had big, big drums of lube in the hallway and shit with a big pump on it. So it's $3,000, but on Amazon Prime Day, you could get the lube for like 1500 which isn't bad for 55 gallons of lube. And the fucking reviews were hilarious. There was one review going, I had my kid's birthday party, and we live on a big hill. And I wanted to have a slip and slide. But, you know, I've had problems before with water and the slip and slide. So he's like, so I got this this thing of lube thinking it would be perfect for my kids birthday party slip and slide. And then it turned into some like circus murder scene where the kids were sliding all over the neighborhood <laughs> <and, like>, crash. <laughs> it was really funny. Um,
1: so nothing says funny like dead kids. <laughs>
0: yeah so i don't know like this started out really educational like we're gonna talk about non-monogamy and then we ended up with shit and dead children how did this happen ken i
1: don't know but i can't think of a better place to end our podcast so everybody i wanted to thank you again for listening to ken and sunny on american sex sunny do you have any last moments for us um
0: just we'll see you next week and goodbye and you're going to hear a thing in a minute stick around keep hearing because you're going to hear a thing that tells you how to get in touch with us and i want to hear what you want to hear in our podcast so get in touch okay
1: bye bye